quarterback battle between Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles headlines the summer ahead for the Chicago Bears. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Fantasy Football in 15 here at The Athletic. We are continuing on with our State of the Team series. For this episode, I am joined by Derek Van Riper. Derek, how you doing? I'm doing, uh, well, I'm doing okay. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's it's a funny, it's a loaded question, right, at this yeah. point. But uh, all things considered, things are, are well. My family and I are safe and, um, you know, happy to be here talking with you today. Well, that's good, DVR. I'm very happy to hear that. And same here, obviously, there are much bigger things happening in the world, much more important things happening than what you and I are going to spend the next 15 minutes doing. And that really has to be said before we spend these next frivolous 15 minutes talking about the Chicago Bears. But that's what we're going to do, continuing our State of the Team series. We started with the Arizona Cardinals, then we moved on to the Houston Texans, and now we move over to Chicago to talk about the Bears. To do that, we bring on our Bears beat writer, Kevin Fishbane. Kevin, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. Let's talk about the uh, most fantasy football irrelevant team from 2019, (laughs) at least, outside anybody with Allen Robinson on their team. Yeah, right. This is uh, this is a good team to talk about because I think they're going to be a little bit more relevant here in 2020. It all starts, of course, at the quarterback position. This is going to be a team that has one of the few true quarterback competitions. We know that going into the summer, Nick Foles, Mitch Trubisky, both of them are going to have a shot at winning the job. My question for you, Kevin, to start this off, do they enter the summer on equal footing or is there a feeling that one is ahead of the other? Yeah, I, I, I mean, they've said that Mitch Trubisky is going to take the first snap. Um, and I, I do believe that's genuine, that, that it, this is going to be not necessarily his job to lose, but he's going to get the first crack at winning the job. Um, all expectations here, guys, are that Nick Foles at some point will be the starter. I don't know if that's week one. I don't know if that's due to an injury in week four. I don't know if that's due to skill in week seven. It just seems that there is a clear trust level that the head coach Matt Nagy has with Nick Foles. So that's why it's going to be really tricky to, um, you know, kind of handicap things because you're just kind of assuming at some point Nick Foles takes over. I'm not ruling out, by the way, that Mr. Biskey lights things up a little bit this summer in the preseason. We all know he's got the physical gifts. Um, but when it comes to understanding how to operate the playbook the way Matt Nagy wants it, I think that's where Nick Foles has a big advantage. Yeah, the Bears clearly uh, made Foles, made the quarterback position a priority in the offseason and made Foles uh, one of their their big priorities to go out and get. And it should be always noted that uh, Matt Nagy was not part of the regime that brought Mitch Trubisky to the Bears. Of course, he was still in Kansas City, part of the regime that brought Patrick Mahomes and an MVP award and a Super Bowl to that city. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Uh, It seems like you've already hinted at it, but if you had to guess right now, we're sitting here on June 2nd recording this episode. If you had to guess right now, do both Nick uh, Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky get at least three starts in the 2020 season? I think they do, Beller. I, I really do. I, I mean, you also have to factor in that both guys have had injury you know, concerns over the past couple seasons. So you got to factor that in. And I, I, I just, it, it's like the fact that neither of them is really head and shoulders above the other in, in either talent or just, you know, being able to operate efficiently. And the thing that might be going against 
one of them at least is the fact that they're they don't practice in may or june uh we just don't know when everything's gonna get started so i i think it's gonna be hard for one of them to really be able to say hey i am your 16 game starter when we did not have an entire off season um and when neither quarterback really was very good last year let's talk about the running backs for a few minutes here uh david montgomery was a big fantasy disappointment last year there were definitely some factions of fantasy twitter who were just adamant that he was going to be a star from the jump Uh, tons of volume of course 242 carries last season didn't even reach a thousand yards though with that workload under four yards per carry at 3.7 didn't catch a lot of passes either what are the expectations for him in year two yeah, well, I, I, the Bears told you that they believe in him because they did nothing at the running back position. They did really nothing on the offensive line. Uh, so that is a statement of this was not his fault. Now, I think Montgomery needs to be uh, a little quicker in terms of hitting the hole when he gets the ball. Sometimes there's a, there's, there's almost too much Le'Veon Bell patience in the way he runs. Uh, it's got to be more downhill. Uh, but the whole running game was a disaster last year. And they really believe that Juan Castillo, the new offensive line coach, Bill Lays, the new offensive coordinator, and uh, probably a uh, not a new scheme, but a different type of commitment is going to be enough to really harness Montgomery's talents. So, you know, I, I understand that people are probably going to be a little reticent to draft him too high, and it's hard to project much of anything positive from this offense. But I do think that if you just look at the way the Bears handled free agency in the draft at this position, they really believe that this guy it still could be a 1,000-yard rusher. As far as his role in the passing game, that was pretty small in his rookie season. Uh, he caught 25 of 35 targets, only had 185 yards. Is that a reasonable expectation for his role in the passing game again in 2020, or do you think the Bears are going to ask more of him as a receiver? I think they should ask more of him, if not for anything. The fact that they spend so much time talking about how he is that's one of his skill sets you know that that was the narrative last year that he's going to be a much better receiver than Jordan Howard was and then he ended up putting up pretty much the same pass catching numbers as Jordan Howard you know the the, the one thing we have to remember obviously with Tariq is the the fact that Tariq Cohen is essentially your pass catching running back maybe makes the, the Dave Montgomery stuff you don't need it as much um, you don't need him to be that guy uh, but you you traded up and drafted him because he's going to be an all-purpose back because he has Kareem Hunt like abilities going back to what Matt Nagy had with with Hunt uh, back in Kansas City so you got to find a way to utilize that uh, and, and, and I, I do expect him to see an uptick in targets this season. Fantasy community still has some pretty strong hopes for Tariq Cohen right now in early drafts. He is the 39th running back off boards, uh, just behind Philip Lindsay and Sonny Michelle, a couple of guys whose roles we seem to have a good handle on going into the season ahead of players like uh, former teammate Jordan Howard, Alexander Madison, Tevin Coleman. Uh, last year, Tariq Cohen had 64 carries and 104 targets. Uh, we know that volume is the name of the game at the running back position. Is that a ceiling for what his role in the offense is? Yeah, I, I think the touches is probably consistent. That What they need is more production per touch. I mean, that was a, a pretty much a disaster last year, whether they were handing the ball off to Tariq Cohen or throwing him the ball. His yards per carry, yards per catch totally uh, dropped. This still is a team that lacks offensive playmakers. They, you know, they lack guys that you can get them the ball and they can turn it into an explosive play. And Tariq Cohen is one of those guys. So they've got to find ways – 
to you know get him the ball in the open field and he also has to be a do better job going north south and not so much east west uh, so I, I do expect him to still play a big role and for Tariq Cohen there's a lot of motivation this is a contract year for him he saw his fourth round 2017 draft mate Eddie Jackson get a huge contract and, and I don't think because of Tariq Cohen's position and his role he could have expected that prior to the season um, but he's playing for big money and and I think that's going to be you know a potential motivation factor for him but, but yeah I do think that the the, the targets the carries are going to still be around what he was used to they just got to find a way for him to take more advantage of each time he gets the ball and the changes that were made in the passing game as far as uh, personnel at the receiver position pretty light in the offseason Ted Ginn is now a part of the equation uh, and a year after Allen Robinson had a 27.1% target share. It was third in the league behind Michael Thomas and DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, as Robinson goes, I mean, do you expect him to remain a focal point of this passing game? And, and could we see even a, a bit more from him if he repeats that target share, if we see growth from Trubisky or, or a switch to Foles? Yeah, I, I think Allen Robinson is absolutely, you know, he's your number one guy. He's your number one target. I, I'm sure they would like to have, you know, this is an offense that Matt Nagy's been pretty open about is I, the, it's operating at its best when it's spreading the ball around more than it did last year. And, and they're lucky to have a guy like Allen Robinson. Um, but you look at his totals, you know, he he didn't have, it didn't even average 12 yards a catch last year. So that's something where they think that could probably increase. You know, maybe maybe his targets go down slightly, but he could create more he could create more big plays, maybe more touchdowns. Um, the, the problem is they don't really have uh, you know, they have a number two receiver. It's Anthony Miller, but he's coming off offseason surgery again. Uh, you know, I know we'll get to tight ends, but you have question marks there. Allen Robinson is the one guy on the entire offense you have no question marks about. Like, there is nothing that they have to worry about with him. You, you can count on a thousand yards receiving from him if you get him the ball enough and if he stays healthy. So I, I do expect him to be far and away uh, the leader in, in, in all, you know, in targets and receptions and yards and receiving touchdowns. Um, but but they they need to find other ways or other guys to get the ball to. Um, and, and that could open up more opportunities for explosive plays um, from Allen Robinson. Yeah, to contextualize uh, the Robinson target share last year, you had Michael Thomas uh, right at about one-third of the Saints' targets. You had DeAndre Hopkins at about 30% or so of Houston's, and then uh, Allen Robinson down at 27.1. So thinking about Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, the roles they played in those offenses. Julio Jones is a guy who's had some huge target shares over the years, but usually peaking in the low 30s. Is there room for Robinson's target share to grow, even though Nagy wants it to be an offense that spreads more of the wealth around? I think so, just because if they have the ball more, right? If they're, you know, if they're if they're controlling the clock, if they're controlling possession, if they're moving the sticks. I mean, this was a team that had so many three and outs last year. So if you just expect them to have more opportunities, you know, just have to more drives, um, you know, longer drives, uh, you know, staying on the field, all those things are going to increase everyone's opportunities. And it starts with Robinson because he's your number one guy. So, you know, it's one of those things where, um, right, like the, um, the the phrase about raising all boats. If, if the quarterback works, if the new, if the the adjusted playbook works, if everything improves, everybody gets lifted, and it kind of starts with your number one guy in a Rob. It's a rising tide lifts all ships. I would expect a Northwestern guy to know that. <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> 
you know, things really started to click for Anthony Miller at the end of last season. Weeks 11 through 15, 33 catches on 52 targets, 431 yards, had a couple of touchdowns as well. Are the Bears expecting him to be a legitimate number two receiver this year? And how much of his potential third year breakout just rides on being healthy? Yeah, the, the health is key. You know, it's a, it's a it's the same shoulder injury he's dealt with as a receiver. You're you're, you're happy it's not the legs. Like the speed's still going to be there. The route running's still going to be there. Um, he feels like he's going to be better this year, not having to worry about it. Maybe if the surgery got it all cleaned up. Um, the 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 thing the challenge is going to be: can they get him going um, quicker? Can they get him acclimated quicker? Because halfway it took it took until November mid-November last year for him to really be the guy they expected and he broke out he had that three-game stretch where he was really really good and you saw the explosiveness you saw the ability to get open you saw the catching ability all of those things um, now it's going to be well can that happen in week one can it happen in week three um, and that's an interesting thing about not having OTA's minicamp that might not hurt necessarily someone like Anthony Miller who probably wouldn't be practicing right now. Um, so I, I do wonder if they maybe adjust anything in his rehab, anything in the way he watches tape um, this season, this offseason, so that by week one, he's right there, he's kind of ready to go. Miller is a wide receiver 53 by NFFC ADP. Again, very early data there, sandwiched in between Robbie Anderson and Sammy Watkins. You mentioned the tight end position. Of course, this is a team that has been desperately searching for some tight end production for the last few years. Now, Trey Burton, that did not work out. They go out, they make a big signing with Jimmy Graham, also invest a second round pick in Notre Dame product product, excuse me, Cole Komet. Uh, how do we think those two share the production? Is there going to be more 12 personnel coming from the Bears? Are you going to see those guys on the field together? Is one clearly going to be ahead of the other? What should we be expecting uh, from the tight ends going into the year? Well, they're certainly paying Jimmy Graham to be the guy at that position, to play that you tight end, the role that Trey Burton had, the role that Matt Nagy's talked about since he got here. It's an important position in this offense. It's essentially like another slot receiver, and that's what Jimmy Graham's here to do. So they're obviously expecting him to be very productive. If you look at the money, if you look at you know moving Trey Burton, still having to pay Trey Burton $3 million, um, that's a lot of faith in a guy at Jimmy Graham's age who has not been that productive in a few years. Obviously, Cole Komet is the long-term answer. And frankly, guys, if Cole Komet turns into, as a rookie, you know, Travis Kelsey light, which is, you know, I'll say that would be a rookie ceiling if he's able to put up crazy numbers and and, kind of takes over production from Jimmy Graham, I'm sure the Bears would be fine with that. You know, they just need somebody to do it. But I do expect a lot more two tight end sets. It's something we've talked about with this team for two years. The first year, it didn't really work because you know they they weren't getting anything from Adam Shaheen and then last year they weren't getting anything from literally anyone in the entire tight end room it was a disaster Um, nobody had more than 100 yards receiving in the entire season so I, I do think that there is a goal when you commit that money to Jimmy Graham you commit that early of a pick to Cole Komet you're expecting both of them to be on the field a lot Um, so I you know when you're thinking about targets I think it starts with Allen Robinson then I go Tariq Cohen Anthony Miller and then those two tight ends really before any other receiver probably or David Montgomery all right well it'll certainly be an interesting year for the Bears and for this offense hopefully a more productive fantasy year for this team as well that's Kevin Fishbane our Bears beat writer Kevin thanks for joining us man thank you guys
You can follow Kevin on Twitter at KFishbane, and that is going to do it for this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. If you are not yet an Athletic subscriber, you can get a free 30-day trial at theathletic.com slash footballin15. For Derek Van Riper and Kevin Fishbane, I'm Michael Beller. Fantasy Football in 15 will be back with you tomorrow.